0: Today's text comes from Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. Our second text comes from second Peter chapter one, verses 19 to 21. as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Dan. My name is Wade. I'm uh, one of the pastors here, along with Tom. And we are to look into God's word today. And um, we approach it with sobriety and thankfulness and um we've been going through the benefits of the resurrection. This is a short series that Tom and I are going through right now. And last week was if you were here, we mentioned that it was Ascension Sunday. This was the uh the first Sunday um it was the day, the Sunday uh thirty five, thirty six days after Jesus was raised from the dead. Um, this past Thursday was actually the Ascension Day, so uh, 40 days after Jesus was resurrected, he went into heaven. And we were looking at the Ascension in the context of the resurrection. Obviously, the resurrection had to happen first. Jesus continued his ministry on earth until his Ascension when he went back to heaven in his physical, resurrected, glorified body. and. I, w- I mentioned last week that I'll be speaking about the three-fold offices of Jesus. If you remember, prophet, priest, and king, and, and Pastor Tom, he set us up when he was preaching from Revelation 1 two weeks ago. As we look at this picture of Jesus, what does, what does he do in heaven? He's still carrying out the offices of the prophet, priest, and king. And today we're going to look at Jesus as the prophet in the context of the resurrection and ascension. Last week we looked at Jesus as the priest. What does Jesus do in heaven for his people? And um, in a few weeks I'll be talking about Jesus as the king. Today as we look at this idea of Jesus as the prophet, I want us to see how it is that Jesus still speaks to us today as a prophet. And what that gives us, the church, Indelible Grace Church and the church church universal, what it gives us as we do our work here on this earth. It it means that we have something precious and powerful to speak that no one else does. So to get there, uh, let's begin. What does it mean? What's the significance of prophecy? What's the significance of God sending prophets? Now, last week I gave you kind of a dark scenario. If you were here last week, I I said, uh, imagine that you're kidnapped and you're thrown into a a room all by yourself and you had no idea what was happening. So let me give you another equally dark scenario. Imagine that you are walking along a field and you fall into a dark pit. And you're all alone. And you can't climb out. You've tried... You've reached the end of your strength and there's nothing that you, nothing else that you can do. And you're there until it gets dark. It continues to be dark and you're continually alone. And then the next day comes. And at this point, the thirst and the hunger set in. You're exhausted. Um, you're losing hope. I haven't heard anyone come. You might die in there. And it goes on and on, and you're in this dark pit all by yourself. And just as you've lost all hope, you hear a voice Hey, I see you down there. I'm going to come. I'm, you will get out. I got you. Now, after all these hours in this dark pit, what would you feel once you hear that voice? Once you hear the voice of a good person saying, I've got you. Don't worry. How grateful would you be to know that you're not left to yourself, that you will be rescued? Now this is the picture that we see in the Old Testament. The people of God who have, because of their rebellion and sin, they've been alienated from their Creator. They're thrown into darkness. They're thrust into it, starting in the Garden in Genesis. And we, we sang about it, um, the songs that Nate led us. In our longing, in our darkness, from the darkness, I called your name into darkness, your mercy came. We are a people that have been in darkness before. The people of God in the Old Testament, they were in darkness. Mankind was lost in their darkness, alienated from God. And then in the darkness, a voice came. A light is coming. Your God sees you and he will rescue you. And so God, because he wants to speak to these lost people in the darkness, he sends prophets like Enoch and Moses, Abraham, Noah, the books in the Old Testament, the major and minor prophets. This is God speaking into the darkness. These human beings, they're speaking on behalf of God. They are the mouthpiece of the Lord. Now, because we have the Bible, because a lot of you guys are familiar with the religious landscape, we take it for granted. We see the books in the Bible, we see the words that the prophets speak, and we think, yeah, that's, that's cool. That's not cool. God could have just left his people to be, and they would have remained in the darkness. God could have stayed silent because he was under no obligation to speak to his people. He could have just let them suffer the consequences of their sins. But what does God do? He speaks into the darkness when they thought that there was nothing but darkness. And why would God do that? Because the heart of God for his creation is not one of indifference or negligence. The heart of God is one of love and compassion for the people that he loves. And also the anger at the sin that is destroying them. And the Old Testament, it gives us story after story of prophets. They are speaking to the people of God, to the Israelites. And if we do study on the prophets in the Old Testament, Get a picture of what they're like. Many of them were awkward and insecure. They're unlikely spokespeople for Yahweh. If you remember the story of Jonah, he didn't even want to be a prophet. He hated the task that God gave him. These prophets, they spoke messages that had a very limited audience because their messages were so unpopular. If you remember, if you study the book of Jeremiah, here is a prophet who toiled for decades with very few people listening to him. Sometimes it seemed like God was raging through them in his anger. And other times it seemed like a mother was gently speaking to her young children. The prophet spoke words of comfort and of warning. The words of the prophets, they were provocative and uncomfortable. They were filled with God's promises of love and mercy and also God's promises of destruction and judgments. And why would God speak to His people like that? Because God's people were asleep. They loved their sin. And God had to rouse them from their sleep and ignorance. God had to slap them sometimes in their face with warnings. And other times He had to remind them gently, look to me. Stay faithful. Why does God speak? Because God loves his people, and God uses prophets to turn his people back to him. And this was the role of the prophets in the Old Testament. A biblical prophet, it was someone who was led by the spirits. A biblical prophet is someone who spoke the word of God on behalf of God, words of warning and comfort. Um, biblical prophets. They performed signs and wonders, and most often they were intrusive and unwelcome. So these are the prophets in the Old Testament. This helps us understand what is the role of prophets in the scriptures. This is how we should think about prophets. And then, there was another prophet that came. If you looked at the old testament what's the last book of the bible it's malachi and 400 years passed between that book and the new testament it seemed like for 400 years that god forgot that he was done he was no longer going to speak the people were in darkness but then they called the passage worship that david led us in long ago And many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. And then later on, a couple of verses later, it says that Jesus... After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Now notice the movement in the passage. First, there is condescension. Jesus condescended from heaven to earth. He came down to speak to the world as a prophet. He carried out his earthly ministry. He made purification for for sins. This is the work of the cross. And then, after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. This is the ascension. Jesus' work on earth is done, so he goes to the Father. Condescension, suffering, passion, death, resurrection, then ascension. And if we look at the work of Jesus while he was carrying out his earthly ministry, we see this, that Jesus, he he had the attributes of a good Old Testament prophet. He uh, was filled with the Holy Spirit. He spoke the word of the Lord to the listeners. He performed signs and wonders. And he was also, like all the prophets, he was a little bit strange. Not someone that you'd be really comfortable with. So Jesus, here, he's presented to us as the prophet. Jesus recognized this in himself in the the New Testament. He said multiple times, you have heard it said, you've heard it said, and this is referring to the Old Testament, spoken by the prophets. But I say, Jesus is saying, I'm continuing the work that the prophets began in the Old Testament. To the disciples in John 14, He says, "This whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the words that you hear is not mine. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the fathers who sent me." Jesus is saying, "The words that you that you hear from me, these come directly from God. They are the very words of God." To the Pharisees, he says this, You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that that bear witness about me. Jesus is saying, All the things that you read and heard in the Old Testaments, you good Jewish people, they were really about me. I'm the fulfillment of these prophecies. And throughout the Gospels, Jesus says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, truly, truly, when he says that, he's saying that I have an authority, that a human, a mere human being cannot have. Truly, truly, I say to you, I'm speaking to you as a prophet. Jesus spoke the Word of God, but there's more than that. Jesus was the Word of God. A companion piece to our call to worship passage in Hebrews 1, John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning, God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. Look at that darkness motif. And the darkness has not overcome it. And here is what Jesus is for us. Jesus is not only the word spoken to us. Jesus is the word that was given to us. The Father gave you and I a word. Jesus is God's ultimate word, a person. Now, remember the image that I gave you just a moment ago. You're in a dark pit, and it seems like all hope is lost. If you're a believer in Christ, this is an invitation for you to remember the darkness that you are in. Do you remember? Do you remember when you had no purpose in life, it seemed, no eternal purpose? Do you remember the guilt and the shame, if you had any, over your sin? Do you remember the ignorance that you had? And then remember when you first heard the gospel, the good news of Jesus' life and death and resurrection. Do you remember how God broke down your defenses? And maybe it wasn't dramatic. Some of you guys might have dramatic testimonies, and that's awesome. I bet you that a lot of you guys don't. You don't remember maybe that specific instance. You may not remember it one particular sermon or moment. It may have taken you a long time to think about it or to let it sink in. But God was breaking down your defenses. And if you are in Christ, it's because God broke through the most difficult, hard thing in the whole universe, which is the human heart. The heart that loved darkness. And in Christ, God broke through the prophet Jesus speaking the words to you. God giving you Jesus. For God so loved you that he gave his only Begotten son, Jesus. And it's really important for us to remember this, that we are about Jesus. Our lives are about Jesus. The things that we speak about at IGC, it's always going to lead to Jesus by the grace of God. And like I've said before, if we ever stop doing that, first off, um, you should talk to us. If we don't listen, slap us. If you don't listen, if there's no response, go to our presbytery. If there's nothing beyond that, then you leave this church if we don't talk about Jesus and the gospel. Jesus is central to everything that we do. Remember what he's spoken to you. Remember what he's done for you. So this is Jesus as a prophet. And then now we're thinking about Jesus in light of the resurrection. We're talking about the benefits of the resurrection. And we're going to head there in just a moment. First off, let me read to you John 14, 12. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these he will do because I am going to the Father. After the resurrection, Jesus, for 40 days, he continues his ministry, and then he tells his people, You're going to have the Holy Spirit. Actually, this is something that he, he said to his people before he went to the cross. But he promises that you will. Have a comforter. You will have the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that is working in me, the same Spirit that eventually raises Jesus from the dead. It's going to be in his people. And the verse that I read to you, John 14, 12, it's because Jesus is going to be a father. It's because Jesus is going to the father. That's the ascension. It's because Jesus does that, that we can do greater works than he does. And what does that mean? It means that we can do, we we continue the work that God does through Christ. We're going to see the most miraculous thing of all, which hopefully as we continue on as a church, as you guys are faithfully living out your lives as followers of Christ, you will see the hearts of the people around you soften and eventually break. And that is a miracle. That is the greatest work that can be done. And then that leads us to The passage today in Acts chapter one. Thank you, Dan, for reading it. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And then verse nine gives us the account of when Jesus was lifted to heaven on a cloud. So here is what is going on. During his ministry on earth, Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit and his earthly ministry is completed And then Jesus, he pours out his Holy Spirit on the church. We see this in the book of Acts. The Holy Spirit was poured out. The Holy Spirit is active in here. The Holy Spirit is in you. We see this in the book of Acts. And then what is the church tasked with once they receive the Holy or Before the Holy Spirit comes, you're given a responsibility, a task, which is to speak the word of God, to preach the gospel, to carry out acts of mercy and justice. And it's all to be done by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the resurrection and then the ascension, this is the occasion that Christ gives us the Holy Spirit. Later on, we're going to sing a song, King of Kings, and these are the words we're going to sing. And the church of Christ was born, then the Spirit lit the flame. Now this gospel truth of old shall not kneel, and it shall not faint. And this is what it means for us that Jesus is risen and ascended. It means that we have something to do. We continue this ministry of Jesus and the Holy Spirit has been given to us to carry out this prophetic ministry of Jesus, speaking the word of God and offering Jesus to the world. So when Christ ascended, what did he do? He gave us all as a church gifts. He gave us all um, spiritual gifts. He gave us responsibilities and titles. Ephesians 4 He gives the church apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers to equip the saints for the building up of the church. Jesus, as a prophet, what does he do now? He builds up the church. This is the work of ministry, building up the church. Jesus is now the head of all things over the church. And in the book of Ephesians, Paul gives us the imagery of Jesus as the head. And what is the church? The church is the body. The church is the body of Christ. And as we are transformed by the word of God, as we're given power by the Holy Spirit, we become pro- the prophetic hands and feet of Jesus. If you are a believer in Christ, you are a prophet carrying out the prophetic word, prophetic work of Jesus. Jesus fills his church with his presence by the Holy Spirit. And the church fills all things on earth through his actions as people of Christ filled by the Holy Spirit. So this is the significance of Acts. If Jesus has risen from the dead, and then he ascended, and he gives us the Holy Spirit. If Jesus if Jesus did not ascend to the place of the Father, then we would not be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that is a big problem. Because if we are not filled with the Holy Spirit, if there is not the Holy Spirit active in this place right now, then we are not doing anything all that significant. Patrick Schreiner, he says this, The church should not be conceived of first as the body of Christ starting from earth and reaching heavenward. Rather, the body of Christ begins in heaven and reaches earthward. As His Word and Spirit fill them, Christians carry Christ on their lips and in their hands. The work that we do is enacted in heaven, and we carry out a heavenly calling. And Jesus, while He is on the throne at the right hand of the Father, He is building up His church through, what? Through you and me, because you have the Holy Spirit. Verse 8 in Acts again, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. You have a power. You have a power that your the company that you work for does not have. You have a power that the government does not have. You have a power that the most respected people, the most influential people in the world do not have because you have the Holy Spirit. Now, consider that. Of all the people that are part of this church, it means that we are given this task to preach the gospel and make disciples in Castro Valley and Hayward and San Leandro and Oakland, San Ramon, Dublin, Fremont, wherever you live. This is your task. This is our mission as a church. And this is so important that these are the final words of Jesus as he leaves earth. If you remember Matthew 28. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is our occupation. The ascension means that we have a new focus and a new direction. Paul writes in Colossians 3, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. You, church, are given the same task and responsibility and power as Jesus. So what is the benefit of the resurrection as we look at this series? This is the benefit. benefits. The resurrection and the ascension, it gives us something to give our lives for. It's far greater than any plans that we can make for ourselves. And you guys will spend a lot of time in your families and in your communities and working and carrying out your hobbies and doing whatever it is that you do. And those things, it's not that they don't matter. You can continue to do them but they do not have eternal impact or significance if it's not done in light of the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit. You've been given something so great and so powerful. You've been given a deep, lasting purpose. Everything that we do as disciples of Jesus they find their foundation and reason in the most important, lasting, joyful, life-giving person in the universe. So we are given a prophetic word as a church. We have a unique power to do it. The things that we speak are not the words of man, but the infinite God of the world. He is the one who spoke the solar system's into existence, like David mentioned earlier, this huge, giant universe in all its complexity, in all its beauty, in all its terror, spoken by Jesus the prophet. And so he gives us a word to speak as well. And if we forget how, how devastatingly powerful the word of God is, then we need to turn back and rethink how we look at the Scriptures and how we look at the mission of the Church. The second passage that Dan read, we have a prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention to. As a lamp shining in a dark place, there's, there's a darkness again. Knowing that, first of all, no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. According to this, we're being told that everything in the Old Testament was spoken by, ultimately by God, inspired by the Holy Spirit. We should pay attention to them. We should also pay attention to what is spoken here from the pulpits. We should also pay attention to what you guys read during the week. These are not the words of men. These are the words of God Almighty. And there should be a fear about this message that we're entrusted with. For me, for the leaders of this church, for Tom, for whoever is going to fill this pulpit in the future, it's our task to preach it faithfully, to preach it fully, to preach it in the power of the Holy Spirit. But it's not just what you see here for 35 minutes each week on a Sunday. The Holy Spirit is given to you as well. Who are the people in our lives that we need to be witnesses to? If you've uh, watched um, the Avengers, Iron Man, he's got this heart in him. It's not his real heart, and uh, it's—I guess it's the equivalent power of like a nuclear reactor. You guys have the heart of Tony Stark times a trillion. That's how powerful it is. The message that we carry is so vast and powerful that it cannot be communicated apart from the Spirit. So church, this is what we have. This is what Jesus is doing as a prophet. He's giving you, church, he's giving you, believer, a prophetic word to speak. This is how he carries out his ministry. There is um I don't know how long ago, maybe like fifteen years ago, um a movie that came out. This was a biopic of Johnny Cash. It was called Walk the Line. And um there's if you guys who know who Johnny Cash is, I was looking up on YouTube, uh one of the most iconic singers in all of music, I would dare say. Um people still listen to him today. But there's one one of the one of the pivotal scenes in this movie is when Johnny Cash and his bandmates they're in a stu- studio singing a song to a producer by the name of Sam Phillips. Sam Phillips was the most influential record producer and um, and and record record company owner in during this era. He was responsible for Roy Orbison. Um, Elvis Presley, um, Carl Perkins—if you have to be kind of old like me to understand some of who these people are—but he was a really big deal. And Johnny Cash comes in with his guitar and his bandmates, and they start singing a gospel song to Sam Phillips because they want to convince him: "You should sign us. You should sign me because I'm—I have something to say. I'm—I'm—I'm I'm a good singer." Um, So Johnny Cash, he's singing this gospel song. There are some people who say we cannot tell whether we are saved or whether all is well. They say we can only hope and trust that it is so. But I was there when it happened, I guess I ought to know. Yes, I know when Jesus saved me, the very moment he forgave me, he took away my heavy burden. Lord, he gave me a peace within. Satan can't make me doubt it. It's real, and I'm going to shout it. I was there when it happened, and so I guess I ought to know. And Sam Phillips, he's listening to, the, to Johnny Cash sing this song. He stops them. He cuts him off mid-song. And he tells Johnny Cash that he is not impressed. Because he doesn't believe him when he sings these words. And Johnny, he gets offended. He says, are you saying that I don't believe in God? This is Sam Phillips, real-life person, by the way. This is what he says to Johnny Cash. You know exactly what I'm telling you. We've already heard that song a hundred times, just like that, just like how you sing it. And then Johnny Cash, he says, you didn't let me bring it home. Sam Phillips again. Bring it home? All right, let's bring it home. If you was hit by a truck and you was lying out there in that gutter dying and you had time to sing, you had time to sing one song, one song that people would remember before your dirt, one song that would let God know how you felt about your time here on earth, one song that would sum you up, you telling me that's a song you'd sing, that same Jimmy Davis tune we hear all over the radio every day, all about your peace within and how it's real and how you're going to shout it, or Would you sing something different, something real, something you felt? Because I'm telling you right now, that's the kind of song people want to hear. That's the kind of song that truly saves people. What is it that we really believe? I know that most of us believe what's written in this word, But what is it that we really believe deep in our bones? Because that is the Holy Spirit impressing it on you. That's the prophetic word of Jesus Christ being burned into your soul. And if we want our church to make any difference, if you want your life to make a difference, it can't be your own words. It can't be you parroting the words of other people. It has to be the Spirit of God enacting something in you. The gospel of Jesus Christ which has changed you. That is what is going to save the world. If you want what we say to matter, it requires the work of the Holy Spirit. That's what really transforms people. So let me end with this question. If we were hit by a truck, if you were stricken with cancer, If you lost everything that you had, what's that one song that you're going to sing? What's that one song that's going to sum up what you believe? What's that one song that's going to tell God what you thought about your life here on earth? You're all prophets. Do you understand? This is what we have. God speaks to Jesus, speaks to us through Jesus. Jesus is given to us, and now we have a word. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God. Born of his spirit, washed in his blood. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Will you pray with me? God, we um, recognize, if we really think about it, that you did not have to speak to us in our darkness. You don't owe us anything. And we deserve every bit of judgment and wrath and hell that we've earned for ourselves. But you would not let that be. You spoke to us through the prophets and ultimately through Christ. And I pray that this message is something that we as a church would carry well. We pray that your spirit would be active and working here. And God, do your work in our hearts as well for those of us who are cold, for those of us who are ignorant, for those of us who are tired and discouraged. We ask that your Holy Spirit would do its work in us and that you would get the glory. We pray this in the name of Jesus, our prophets, our brother, our priest and king. Amen.